and happy new year. Welcome into another episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast. Wishing you and yours and all of the Blackhawks fans a, uh, a happy and healthy 2019. This is Brad Replinger along with Brandon Kane on the other end of the uh, internet airwaves. The third member of the game, Dave Melton, was uh, on site today at the Winter Classic in South Bend, Indiana at Notre Dame Stadium. So we'll get his reactions when he gets back into town a little bit later this week. But uh, we wanted to get some immediate reactions to the game today as the Chicago Blackhawks fall 4-2 to two in their fourth Winter Classic appearance uh, over the, uh, the Boston Bruins this time. Uh, Chicago, again, 0-4 in Winter Classics. Uh, this is the second one that the Blackhawks have hosted, or have been the home team for, for that matter. Uh, but uh, the result's still the same, um, as they are 1-5 overall in outdoor games. But, uh, but we bring in our Notre Dame expert, who is presumably a little hungover from the Cotton Bowl that was played a couple of days ago. Brandon Kane, uh, how uh, your your teams either in the stadium related to Notre Dame or the Notre Dame football team have gone zero and two in the past. What is it now? Four days. How are we? Are you holding up okay over there? I mean, I might go to the liquor store soon. <laughs> what the day after New Year's? Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a stretch. That was the first loss at Notre Dame Stadium by the home team since. September 9th, I think, of 2017 when they lost to Georgia. So it's been a while, you know, because Notre Dame went undefeated during the regular season. Um, But, yeah, not great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I – so a couple things about today's game especially. This, first of all, the – I think the biggest question that I know we were talking about a little bit heading into the game was what will the fan – turnout be for a game like this especially given the fact that um you know this is this is not a good Blackhawks team heading against or heading into a game against a pretty darn good Boston Bruins team at the moment um you know you're watching one of the worst teams in the NHL play in an outdoor game and it's I don't know and we'll see what happens sure enough the fan base was outstanding this became the second most attended winter classic game um since 2014 at the big house in Ann Arbor um, and then you actually have to go back to the very first Winter Classic that was played at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. Um, 71,000 people saw the uh, the Penguins beat the Sabres in a shootout map contest. But really, I, from an atmosphere, an atmosphere standpoint, at least on television, it seemed like this was a really cool event. The, the fan base really did kind of embrace Notre Dame and the... Uh, you know, the opportunity for the Blackhawks to play a game outdoors in that stadium. Uh, what were your takes on, you know, how the stadium looked on TV, how the fan base looked, um, you know, the response to the, uh, the response to the event being at a, at a venue that maybe might be say three or four years uh, away from when it should have been played, say maybe when the Blackhawks were in one of their cup runs in say 2015. Yeah. I think we had talked about how, like South Bend is just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, so you have to drive on New Year's Day to there or New Year's Eve, which means you're going to miss bowl games, which as you know, you and I can attest to, that's just probably the worst thing that can happen during the holidays to you. And especially on, and especially on New Year's Day, if you're a college football fan, as, yeah. I've, as I've got the uh, LSU and uh, Central Florida game here on in the background. Yeah, so... Um, 
with that, it was kind of iffy as to like how people would show up. Um, I think it's that maybe people just were like, Hey, I didn't go to ones in the past and I know this might be, you know, the last one or it might be a while until another one. Um, so I'm going to make a point to go out and do it. Mm. Um, and plus like tickets were cheaper, uh, from what I had been seeing. So that might've played a, a role into it as well, but it looks like it was a good atmosphere. Um, these outdoor games just look better in football stadiums, in my opinion. <clears throat> um, just based on like a, a site view from uh, fans in the stands, you don't have like the awkward angles that you would have in a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it's a, it's a, obviously it's a more consistent view from the fan standpoint especially when you play it in a football stadium just because of the you know football stadiums are going to be you know universal when it comes to dimensions of the playing surface so you know sight lines are generally consistent between let's call the lower bowl and the middle bowl obviously the college football realm of things there's generally just one bowl of seating across you know most stadiums obviously now you're starting to see more upper decks and and that whole thing but uh no i i agree i definitely think uh, a venue like notre dame stadium i is is a really good one i will say that uh that the nhl definitely you know kind of drew inspiration from what happened at the big house uh, obviously selling you know 105,000 seats to watch the the red wings and the in the maple leaves play a game uh half the stadium was red the other half was blue it was a really cool event in 2014 that they played and and the inspiration behind Notre Dame stadium if i remember correctly was actually designed it was basically designed to be exactly like michigan stadium um you know in terms of uh, seating arrangements and the bowl configurations things like that so it's a it's a really cool venue and um i forget who football can't win there well there it is um the uh but i and i can't remember who it was i want to say it was patrice bergeron after the game too was talking to pierre on the uh, on the television broadcast and was saying how you know a game being played like that in a in a football stadium compared to the last time they played which i want to say oh it was two it was 2016 it was at gillette stadium in um in, in foxborough obviously Gillette being a professional stadium, you get some weirder configurations with upper decks and sight lines there as well. Obviously the NFL is trying to um, you know, maximize different more, you know, more around crowd noise and, you know, more luxury seating opportunities and things like that. Whereas college is a little more raw of an experience with a football stadium, but you know, compared to let's say like a Bush stadium at St. Louis, where maybe if you're down the left field line or the right field line, you'll have a great sight line because you're, basically on top of the boards. Whereas if you're in the outfield, say left field center or right, you're the furthest away from the actual playing surface. So maybe the, the sight lines aren't nearly as good as you know, you would get normally, but no, I thought the, I thought the fan base, both fan bases to that point too. Cause obviously there were a lot of Boston fans there. Every time you saw a Tuka Rask save, you had a, you had a big, uh, a big contingency of fans chanting too, which was, which was, you know, good obviously for the, uh, for the atmosphere. And, and obviously a lot of Blackhawks fans there um, with it being a home game in the proximity to Chicago. So, you yeah, know, I, I liked the, I liked that the, the college football stadium was being used which um, we can touch on this a little bit later as well. They announced during the game that next year, the winter classic will be played at the cotton bowl in Dallas, which again, another college football, uh, football, good. Another college football venue. 
um, obviously is, is it seems to be at least the trend for what they, what they want these, these sort of games to kind of hold in, in, in the years to come. So, but again, you know, then you've got historic venues like Wrigley and Fenway that are, you know, pretty iconic that create awesome atmospheres as well. So, but, um, but let's move on a little bit here to the, uh, to the game itself. Um, it was it was kind of a, a hot button topic a little bit at least we had talked about it on our um, you know on the website at secondcityhockey.com about who would start in goal for the Blackhawks between Cam Ward and Colin Delia. Obviously Delia being the hotter of the two hands coming into the game, but um, but Jeremy Colladin went with Cam Ward in today's game, which at the end of it all seems like a uh, a, a good decision. Um, you know, given the play that uh, that Delia had throughout the contest, I thought he was rock solid um, heading into the game. But uh, but what did you think about the Delia? The Delia, good. What did you think about the decision to start Ward over Delia, and uh, ultimately what you thought of Cam Ward's performance at the Winter Classic? The NHL is like a good old boys league, so it's no surprise that Ward was given the nod just because he uses a walker to get around the ring. <laughs> and Delia's, you know, riding around on his longboard, being the California kid. Um, so it didn't really surprise me. Um, and it showed today that it didn't really matter. Um, aside from that rebound that Ward gave up on that last goal, um, or the second to last goal, the the go ahead one. Um, mm. Ward was fine. I mean, maybe that second goal he would want back, but for the most part, it's not those guys in net. It's the goons in front of them, um, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, there's yeah, there's the defensive issue, and then there's also not playing Alex to bring it top six minutes. And mm-hmm. that's just a different whole thing to dive into, but we're uh, sending Yokoharu to world juniors. <coughs> oh no, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so yeah, I just, I was fine with him going with Ward. I kind of expected it. And it was more of defensive lapses that, Surprise, surprise, cost of the Blackhawks game and them not, um, or I guess just them being dumbasses and committing all those penalties at the start of the third period. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's what it really boiled down to was special teams because Boston was two for five on the power play um, with their first two goals coming that way. And then, <coughs> oh, yeah, just all those penalties just they killed them off but you're playing almost half the period in your own end so. mm-hmm. but especially in the third period too and that was the the sequence there early in the third that initially we all kind of thought was going to be the turning point of the game as it is because you had the you had the Kane high sticking call and then Anisimov gets called on a just a dumb tripping penalty because um, he's not moving his feet in his own defensive zone but that's a whole other point of conversation amongst uh, many things there. Uh, Forsling would ultimately get called for, I think, the same thing. I don't know if it was a hooking call, but either way, Forsling getting called for not moving in his own defensive zone as well. That was just garbage. But 
no, they the special teams ultimately killed off all three of the penalties, and there was one point again. You had a five on three advantage for Boston, and uh, and the Hawks were able to kill that off. I think it was a solid ninety seconds. They only allowed one shot on goal during that sequence, which ultimately a lot of us were thinking was the turning point in the game. The Hawks would then turn it around and ultimately score. But um, Chicago going zero for four on the power play um, today, I think, was another big. Um, another big story, or at least very telling of you know how the result of the game turned out, especially just because of, I think it was a lack of production as well. I want to say they only got three shots on goal across four power plays in this contest, which, as anybody knows, is not going to get the job done. Um, so I, I will give... I'll absolutely give credit to the penalty kill because, again, they did a great job of uh, of keeping Chicago in the game late. Again, you, they could have folded like a cheap lawn chair there later in the game, especially on that five-on-three advantage. Um, but they didn't. They held suit and then ultimately killed off another huge penalty there at the uh, at the kind of that midway point on the Forsling one, like you were saying, especially after they spent all that time in their own zone. So it's... I have takes on, on Gustav Forsling's play, uh, which obviously has been a, an issue for a lot of the season. And then, uh, you know, in a game like this where you're missing Yokoharu because he is at World Juniors, you're kind of, you know, shorthanded in terms of who you want to put in there. Um, obviously, you're, uh, you're not able to use a guy like Brandon Manning after he was traded to Edmonton or, um, you know, any uh, any other player that you would have sent down to to Rockford in that instance? So you know across the line of um, or across the lines of Dahlstrom, Gustafson, Keith Murphy, and Seabrook. I you know Forsling's basically the guy that's got to fill that uh, got to fill that role. So um, what did you think about the uh, the play of the forward specifically uh, Patrick Kane? He had a couple of really good scoring chances in this contest. Uh, there was that really sweet little saucer pass to Dylan Strom that almost gave Chicago a three to two lead there in the third period as well. But uh, but uh, talk to us about the forwards, what you saw and what you liked or maybe didn't like about their performance today. Yeah, I think the two standouts were Kane and uh, Perlini for sure. Um, I don't know if it's Perlini was just never able to play outside in the UK, but <laughs> that guy had himself a game. Um, mm-hmm. And Dominic Cahoon actually showed up, so that was nice. Um, Did he ever? Just with, yeah, Dabrinkat just disappears in this third-line role. Um, so I would flip him and Anisimov ASAP if you want to do something. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then seeing... Sakura being able to generate some offense was nice. Um, I so badly wanted his first NHL goal to be <laughs> in the Winter Classic. That'd be so cool. Yeah, because um, I have like a whole bunch of drafts for like this kid's first NHL goal and everything, and they've been <laughs> sitting there for like the entire season. So um, I'm just like waiting, waiting. Um, yeah, the, you're not supposed to tell the people about the process, Brandon. <laughs> we don't pre-write these. How? And obviously, it was nice to see Dominic Cahoon goal reaction, as always. That was his A-plus Cahoon face. Again, secondcityhockey.com. Check out the Twitter. There is a really good picture of his face after he had scored. It was uh, it was just about perfect. 
Das German Winger. He was so good. <laughs> Hayden was a healthy scratch, right? Am I remembering that right? Uh, I don't know if he was a healthy scratch. I just thought he was a... Um... All right. Uh, I'll have to look that up. I think he... Well, he definitely was a scratch. I just don't know if it okay, was healthy well, or not. Who cares? But that was good that he didn't play. I was going to say, I don't want him to play in that game. <laughs> and I thought they would because um, somehow he went to Yale and all that stuff. So, um, <clears throat> Just because Martinson has a better offensive upside, which isn't saying much, but mm-hmm. there it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Saad had that one good... Um, backhanded attempt I think in the second period or the first um, and wasn't able to convert and that was just a good play by Rask mm-hmm. so yeah. he, had a f- he had a few couple of good plays too especially generating offense in front of the uh, in front of the net um, one of the uh, one of the bigger plays of the game too I think it was an advance or a, a play where Gustafson who had himself a game um put uh put one in on net and ultimately it was uh it was Saad trying to clean up the mess there in front and um I forget if he's if he just lost his footing or if he got tripped or what happened but he ultimately uh he ultimately took a took a tumble there in front of the net but that was one of the uh you know one of the one of the more aggressive parts of the offense earlier in the contest I want to say it was middle of the first period but no I I and that's actually another player too Brandon Saad that played fairly well but yeah, no, I between between guys like you mentioned, Pierolini, uh, Gustafson, obviously having a good game. Um, I liked uh, I liked Saad in his performance today, even though he was on the uh, he was on the raw end of the deal in terms of the score sheet. Um, you know, you got some good contribution from Jonathan Tays. Man, there were a couple there too where he um, he had some glorious scoring chances that uh, that Tuka Rask ultimately swallowed up which was, uh, was super impressive. Then obviously Cahoon scoring early, which was great. Um, heck even David Kampf had a, had an assist in this contest. So, um, really good performance by those guys. And then, yeah, I liked, uh, Kane, Kane's involvement looked, uh, looked to be a little more passive in this one, as opposed to aggressive. Like obviously I think he had the, uh, he had the big, um, uh, breakaway chance in the second, period I want to say or the first that uh, that got broken up by by Tuka Rask I think he just ran out of ice um but, but between Patrick Kane Jonathan Taze I thought their performance was fine um but I'm with you, you ultimately it's the defense that lets you down um and I'm pointing all fingers at Gustav Forsling and and the lack of pressure that he provided uh, in and behind the uh, the goal crease and uh, in the uh, in the slot as well. Anytime uh, a Bruin would make his way into the dots and try to you know put pressure or at least screen Cam Ward, it was completely you know there was just there was just no activity whatsoever from uh, from Forsling. He just kind of stand there and watch him go past him. It's like move your feet, damn it! Ugh, he's killing us out there today. But no, and, and the other thing too, back to the uh, the Cam Ward topic as well. I, he he played well. Um, I didn't hate the fact that they started Cam Ward over Delia just because in a game like that, um, I, Delia either shuts him out or gives up seven goals. You know, it's, it's either a, a reliable appearance, no matter what, or, or it's a reliable peer, a, appearance or it's a completely volatile one, one or the other. And I thought 
putting Ward in at least, you know, to start Ward in the game and to see how he started. Um, obviously you could switch to Delia if you really wanted to, or if you went down early sort of a thing, but no, I, the, the start was there. They got the first goal. They played fairly well. The, you know, they got the fans into it early and uh, just some bad defensive mistakes and some sloppy play on the uh, special team side of things, like you had mentioned is really what, uh, what cost them the, what really what cost them the game. And ultimately their, uh, their fifth loss outdoors. Let's not forget the stadium series in uh, TCF bank stadium in Minnesota, which was a seven to one drubbing um, in 2000. Was that 2016 or was that 2017? Uh, that was 16. Because um, you had that one, and then obviously the 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 lone crowning achievement for them outside was uh, the Pittsburgh game in 2013. I believe. 14. Was that one 14? Yeah. Uh, against Pittsburgh um, in the snowstorm, which was uh, a really cool atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of cool atmospheres, and I tweeted about this. Man, I wanted the Notre Dame band there for this. I you, I, I get it. You've got the, what was it, the Fort Wayne Symphony Orchestra or South Bend Symphony Orchestra or whatever. This, that should have been the Notre Dame band. And I know that they traveled, but that was the 20. 20- ninth was that game there's plenty of time to come back to campus you don't even need a full band you can just put 100 kids out there they're not going to march in formation you just go out there you know stand out there and play um i really wanted the notre dame band at this game or even a hockey band you know you can play the play the school song or you know i can learn an arrangement of chelsea dagger or something like that i think that really really would have added to the uh you know the experience especially since they went the college football route um I have to look this up now. I don't know if Michigan was at the uh, the big house for the Maple Leafs and Red Wings game. That would have been pretty good um, to have them be there too. Because uh, I think Northwestern was at the uh, was at the Wrigley game in '09, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, give me a college band, especially give me give me a good hockey band. I have no complaints with that. If uh, you know if you're going to play a game at a college football venue, so. But that's uh, that's old band geek Brad on his rocker screaming, "Get off my front lawn!" So. We will uh, we will digress um, into one, uh, one thing on the, uh, mm-hmm. the Delia Ward thing. I think they also started Ward because if Delia does get shelled for four goals, then it's like, well, this is supposed to be their goalie of the future, and look at this, like on the national stage. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, <clears throat> if he looks amazing, then all the conversations like, well, why don't you just get rid of Ward and have this guy play? Like right time. and that just like dictates the whole conversation not even if they're like in the playoff hunts just like why not just ride this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> so by having ward play they avoided all that sure yeah so no, that's, that's a good move for them but for sure oh for sure So next year's games let's move on to that yeah i was gonna say so it was announced during the uh during one of the intermissions with uh with Gary Bettman, that uh, that the Dallas Stars will be hosting next year's Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Um, their opponent has uh, yet to be determined. Um, we were talking a little bit uh, pre-show about who we think could be a good fit for this game. Um, which, by the way, um, and this is the another point of the, the conversation, I believe it's seven teams in the NHL now have not played an outdoor game. Um, which I don't have the list of seven in front of me, but I believe it is. Well, that will go away with, um, with Dallas because Dallas was one of them. Uh, 
Dallas, Vegas, Nashville, Tampa, Florida, and then Carolina. oh yeah, that's right, uh, Carolina and Colorado. No, Colorado's played Columbus. Yep. Yeah, you're right, Columbus. Um, because so played the Red Wings in the Stadium Series at Coors Field. I was gonna say they got the Coors game. Um, so, uh, do we, do we think, I mean, to draw attention to the, uh, to the cotton bowl, um, do we think that Dallas plays one of those seven teams or do you think Bettman rests on his laurels and tries to bring in at least a big name team for people to travel to, or, you know, who do you think are, you know, some potential opponents for the, uh, for the stars in next year's winter classic? So I think the top two that haven't played that would be the choices would be Vegas and Tampa Bay. Um, and then the other line of thinking is to go the football route and pick a team from um, NFC East territory because you know there would already be that built-in thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at the Flyers, um, <coughs> Capitals, Rangers or Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, the Islanders are obviously no goal that that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so I would think out of all of those, like the flyers would probably be the top pick if you were to go that route. <clears throat> um, so, and the flyer is probably the, the choice. Yeah. Uh, you think Vegas, I'd say Tampa and then Vegas for the Colorado one. Or, yeah. Colorado or Minnesota or um, Vegas or Minnesota to go to air force. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other, the another announced game was a stadium series game at uh, the air force Academy football stadium um, in Colorado where the avalanche will be the host and, uh, and another opponent has yet to be determined for that one as well. But I'm with you there. I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good Vegas game. Um, to uh to have them go to Colorado in March that would be a that would be a pretty decent pretty decent opportunity for them. Um I don't hate the Philly play. Um the Flyers have last they've played in two winter classics. Um I thought yeah, they played in two. They played uh they hosted one um at Citizens Bank Park in 2012 uh and then played at Fenway against Boston in 2010. So yeah, the Flyers definitely are due for an outdoor game. Um could always go the Penguins as well. Um if you're uh if you're if you're looking to go, you know, popular team that could see a fan base travel sort of a thing. The the Penguins have played in two winter classics. Their last, their last appearance was 2011 when they hosted at Heinz field um, against the Capitals. So that's an opportunity there as well. But, uh, but I see what you, the, the NFC uh, East conversation is a pretty decent. Uh, that's not a bad idea with, uh, you know, trying to rope in again, like a, a capital sort of a thing. That way they, you know, you get Redskins fans that want to travel to Dallas to watch that game and, you know, schedule it around uh, football week, that sort of a thing. That might not be a bad idea either. Um, the uh, the one that was pretty funny that I saw Mark Lazarus put on Twitter was that uh, that the, the the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars should play each other just to see who gets the uh, the the glory and the 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 title of the you know the history of the North Stars sort of a thing goes to the winner and just call it the the North Stars Bowl or whatever. That was pretty funny. Um, 
the uh, I think it's safe to say, and again, part of what we were talking about, I think it's safe to say that Nashville is out. Uh, you want Nashville to host one of these things. Um, and definitely with with their fan base and, and some of the stadiums that are in the, the greater Nashville, Tennessee area, you've obviously got, uh, what is it, LP Field or Nissan Stadium or whatever it is where the Titans play. Um, in downtown Nashville, that's not a bad, not a bad opportunity. Um, you could go, uh, you could hold it in the, uh, the Tennessee football stadium if you wanted, or, uh, you could do what college football tried to do and play the game at the Bristol motor speedway, uh, and have a game in front of what is that's 140,000 seat arena. Something like that. Um, Bristol, Tennessee, by the way, not Bristol, Connecticut. Um, there is a 162,000 seat stadium, um, and those are just seats. Again, if you're going to put a uh, if you're going to put a, a hockey if you're going to put a hockey rink in the middle of the whole thing um, down in Pitt Road, there, I'm sure you'd have to bring in some kind of auxiliary seating in order to uh, you know in order to uh, in order to make sure that people could see that. Um, you know, bring in temporary seats or something like that for the, uh, you know, for where the, uh, where the track sits or something like that. That could be kind of interesting. Um, I forget who played that uh, football game. Wasn't that West Virginia and Tennessee, I think, uh, Virginia tech. That was it. Um, yeah, the pilot flying J battle at the Bristol, um, which would be cool. I, again, they you can put a football stadium in there and you, you know, could do a hockey rink if you really wanted to. The, honestly, the sight lines in that would be God awful and I wouldn't go, but I mean, Hey, Nashville fans are pretty legit and, uh, that fan base would potentially travel really well. I think the, the other one that we might be able to rule out is Carolina. Um, cause there's been discussions about them hosting an outdoor game at NC state. Could do that uh, literally across the yeah literally yeah, across the street from PNC great stadium, um, so that would be fun. Um, but those are also two teams where if one was hosting, it wouldn't be bad if the other one was the opponent. Oh, so like Carolina and and Nashville holding the game? Yeah, I mean, just like color wise, like that'd be that'd be good for McDonald's. <laughs> I was gonna say red against yellow. Um, the one that uh, that I'm that I'm thinking is probably going to happen potentially um, in uh, in 2021 due to proximity. If you don't do if Nashville doesn't host, have the game in Columbus and do uh, Columbus and Nashville at Ohio State uh, in Ohio Stadium. And then do uh, you know you've got the blue versus the yellow that could be pretty good, and uh, and that's not too bad of a drive from Nashville to get up into Columbus, um, you know proximity wise that's pretty close. Or again go the other way and invite the Red Wings to to come south and play that game. Uh, that way you get the Ohio and Michigan rivalry sort of a thing, um, you know between Columbus and and Detroit that could be a pretty decent that could be a pretty decent matchup. Also a blue against red up there as well. So um, that one could be pretty decent but i think it's do you think it's safe for nashville to be able to host a game and not have to rely on you know the fan base of let's say you know the new york rangers or the flyers or you know or an original six team to 
to come down and, and play in a game like that? Do you think it, you know, do you think Nashville could kind of hold their own on a big stadium like a University of Tennessee or, or, or would they have to maybe go smaller and go to, you know, like a Nissan stadium in downtown Nashville or, you know, even have it at like Vanderbilt or something? I think having it at Nissan or Vanderbilt would be fine. Um, and they wouldn't have to play um, the Blackhawks or the Blues uh, mm-hmm. or, or the Red Wings. Um, but if they were to go to Neyland Stadium, they would have to. Um, or like the Caps. So, yeah, those would be the options that I would lay out. Um, yeah. It's fun. Um, and and ultimately our, our final talking point. Uh, these games are fun, and, and I like them. Um, I I think the idea of the the winter classic is a is a really cool thing to play a game outdoors, and typically you end up playing games that you know are appealing at least to fan bases where you have like today it was Boston and Chicago, or you know games in the past where you had the Blues and the Blackhawks playing at uh, at Bush Stadium, you know that sort of a thing. Are you a fan of the Winter Classic? Are you a fan of Chicago being in them just because it's an easy crowd draw? Or, you know, are they are they stupid games just because Chicago always loses them and we should never play them? The first part that I like is it's something different. You think about Thanksgiving and it's always football. You think about Christmas and it's always basketball. On New Year's Day, it's always college football. But then you have a hockey game. So you can watch hockey and then you can dive into your college football later. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, changes it up a little bit. So that's nice. Um, and it's also good for like the casual fan to like, Oh yeah. Check this out. Um, so that's nice. Um, <clears throat> I think it'd be kind of cool because it looks like the NHL isn't going to allow players to play in the Olympics. If they dumb. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, if they switched it up to where you held off on doing multiple games outdoors and did those every Olympic year. Ooh. And then you had the Winter Classic was a, you know, that's a staple every year. But then you don't do... um multiple ones until like the year of the Olympics and you do them that week maybe, or like scatter them out. I don't know. Just something different. Sure. What about, or make the uh, all-star game outdoors. I don't know. Also outdoor all-star game would be insane. Um, That'd be cool. I know it's in San Jose this year, but that would be really cool. Um, I, what about like a um, didn't the uh, the the old world An outdoor game on. at AT Park? Sign me up for that. That would be uh, that'd be pretty sweet. What about um, the old World Cup of Hockey, which I thought they I think they play that every four years. I want to say, um, so next year, last one I was gonna say last one was twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, the uh like and again world cup so they play it around the world sort of a thing but i i still think it'd be really cool if you could do some kind of an organized tournament um 
you know, in the States being the host, but then have a bunch of different, you know, teams come to play. So again, in this case, you know, if you go the, if you go the world cup route, you had, you know, like, you know, Canada, Russia, Sweden, and the United States or something like that, or, you know, have a European team in there or whatever, you know, that would be, uh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) I think it'd be pretty damn cool. Um, and have it, you know, set at different outdoor venues, sort of a thing. I'm thinking along the lines of the um, the World Baseball Classic, where you, you had uh, games played in like Venezuela and games played in Japan and the whole thing. And then they had the finals. What was that? Was 2015 um, or 2016 as well? Uh, with the United States won that one, but ultimately that created a lot of buzz for. Um, you know, baseball fans, obviously in Chicago, because you had uh, like Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras were playing on their team on uh, for Venezuela and for uh, um, Puerto Rico, and then um, I think there were some other interests in there too. But you know, how cool would it be to do a you know like do an outdoor if they're if they're not going to have the if the Olympics aren't going to allow or if the NHL is not going to put you know professional players in the Olympics, then why not have some kind of a you know an organized tournament with you know, host country sort of a thing, um, you know, and make it an outdoor game or something like that. I think it'd be kind of neat. It'd definitely be different. You know, I just, something to generate a little more buzz outside of the, the standard. We're all for fun. Yeah. You know, or, or making, or making something a little more unique than just, you know, playing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A traditional hockey game at a building or venue or something like that. So, um, as fun as they are, though, as they can be uh, ultimately very frustrating. Again, as the uh, the Blackhawks fall four to two today to the Boston Bruins at Notre Dame Stadium. So, um, final thoughts, Brandon. Uh, things uh, things you want to look forward to, or you know, things you want to move forward to. Uh, quarterfinals start Wednesday for World Juniors. So there's. Uh, all seven guys are still alive. <clears throat> um, Blackhawks are guaranteed a medalist for sure. And there will be prospects in both medal games because Sweden, US, Finland, and there's another team that I'm forgetting Canada. Um, they're all the <laughs> I was going to say, uh, really? <laughs> um, they're all in the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, Mm-hmm. bottom half of the bracket. So that guarantees um, those metal games will be of interest to Blackhawk fans. So um, keep looking at the site and we'll be updating you on world junior stuff. And then after the world juniors wraps, we will have a um, much abbreviated top 25 update um, mm-hmm. for listeners and readers. Um, so just be, Hey, this is how so-and-so did it worlds and how they've been performing um in the ahl or their junior team and uh this is how things have shuffled um and there will be quite a big shakeup. i can assure you this <laughs> absolutely as well as some uh, some more in-depth coverage too on uh, on what's happening in rockford obviously with what uh you know some of the pieces that have moved up to the big club and pieces that are still there in rockford developing um that's going to be a uh, a big area that uh, that this that not just fans, but the team need 
to uh, focus on moving forward as well. So keep your eyes open for more coverage on that, um, as well as the uh, the podcast. We're uh, hopefully going to have some uh, some guest appearances here in 2019. Um, change uh, a couple of different show formats here and there, and try to get you guys some uh, some newer content and, and different types of content here uh, in the new year. But uh, but until that time, on behalf of uh, and everybody here at uh, at Second City Hockey, we wish you again a happy new year. Um, hope everybody had a great holiday season. Um, hope everybody was uh, was responsibly safe yesterday uh, evening into this morning, and everybody's nursing their uh, their collective hangovers very well. Um, that's Brandon Kane uh, at Brandon M Kane on Twitter. I'm TCR Brad on Twitter. We're at Second City Hockey. That's Two uh, ND City Hockey. Again, 2ND City Hockey. Uh, SecondCityHockey.com. Check us out on iTunes, Podbean, Google uh, Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And uh, we will talk to you guys when the, uh, when the, when the regular season, if you will, uh, continues and we go back indoors when uh, the Chicago Blackhawks return to the ice. So until that time, uh, again, Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. And go Blackhawks. <laughs>